Please open your Bibles once again to the book of the Psalms. This morning we'll be looking at Psalm 28. Psalm 28. We read in verse 1, the psalmist David praying, Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock. Be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. Every blood-bought child of God knows this cry, crying unto him who is our only hope, our only rock, our only refuge from the pit of hell. And it's a desperate cry that has for its one hope the Lord Jesus Christ, who saves his people to the uttermost. Our Lord declares, All that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And so how do you come to him? Beloved, we come to him crying in his name unto the Father, O Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, for Christ's sake. And we see in this psalm, Psalm 28, David crying out to the rock of our salvation, and we see that he is heard. David says in verse 6, Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. This morning, the Lord enabling, I want us to see four things about this cry unto the Lord. You see, there's a cry that's heard of God. My friend, when I cry out unto the Lord, I want to be heard, don't you? I pray the Lord will be pleased to bless our time together as we consider this cry of the believer that's heard of the Lord. David begins this psalm crying out to God in great need. And here's the first thing we see in a cry that's heard of God. My friend, when you have a great need, a need that you can't do anything about, you're going to beg, you're going to plea, you're going to cry out, Oh Lord, help me, help me, else I perish. Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock. Be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. We see here the sinner crying out unto our God in great need. And he's not going to cease. He's not going to quit until the Lord helps him. This is the believer's cry. And it's a desperate cry that's unto the Lord out of his desperate need. Lord, if thou be silent to me, I'll perish. Don't leave me. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my desperate cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. David and every believer with him are acquainted with troubles and trials. And in every one of those troubles and trials, like David, we too have learned to call upon the Lord. And it's an earnest, desperate call. David cries, Lord, hear the voice of my supplications. Don't you hear my cries? I'm begging you, deliver me from the pit. 
as he lifts up his empty hands towards the Lord's holy oracle, the holy of holies. Now, David doesn't think for a moment that his cries are going to be heard because of his many tears or even the way he's holding his hands as he begs for God's mercy. Rather, he's asking to be heard because of the sacrifice of Christ that's pictured by the holy oracle, the holy of holies, not because of anything good in of himself, but because of the sacrifice of Christ, because of the blood sprinkled upon the mercy seat. When that publican cried out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. In the original language, he cried, God, be propitious to me, the sinner. You see, both David and the publican are crying the same thing. Lord God, be merciful to me through the blood sprinkled on the mercy seat that pictures the Christ and his sin-atoning sacrifice for his people. Now, while David does not remark as to how he lifted up his hands, I believe without doing any damage to the text, we may consider him confessing with his hands what's in his heart. You see, God hears prayer that comes from an empty heart, a heart that's empty of any goodness, empty of any notion or idea that I've done something to gain God's favor. You see, the true sinner prays out of a heart that's empty of righteousness, is in desperate need of the righteousness and true holiness of God because it's empty of any good thing. Lord, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to your mercy in Christ I cling. Filthy and foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Nothing in my hand I bring. You see, the Lord answers the prayer of mercy beggars that lift up empty hearts. And the Lord not only opens hearts, but he further fills those hearts he opens with Christ. You see, God's not impressed with your religious pretense. He's not impressed with your religious show. But I tell you this, should God give you grace to stop your fakery, God will never turn away an empty sinner who begs for mercy. The Lord heard the prayer of the publican in the temple. That publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes up to heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And our Lord said that man returned to his home justified. The Lord heard his prayer and had mercy on the sinner who begged for mercy. You see, my friend, it's the cry of the sinner with great need. That sinner who has nothing but an empty heart with empty hands that the Lord hears. O Lord, my rock, be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. O Lord, my rock, be not silent to me. Lord, speak to my heart. Don't be silent to me. Rather, speak Christ. Speak comfort to my heart by telling me about your mercy and grace unto us in Christ Jesus, your beloved Son. Speak comfort to my heart by telling me again and again of his sacrifice that's pictured in the Holy of Holies. Tell me again and again how I'm complete 
in Christ, that I lack nothing, that I have a full and complete pardon for all my sins, and that I stand complete in his righteousness. Oh, Lord, don't let me be like those people that go down into the pit of hell. Lord, don't let me be like those people who never hear from you. Oh, I beseech you, I beg you, don't be silent to me. Speak to my heart. Beloved, isn't that why we're gathered here this morning? You see, as we gather together as his church, we're all here with one need. And I pray, my friend, you will be made to know it. This one need, this one desire, Lord, speak to my heart. Do you know how the Lord is pleased to speak to his people? He's pleased to speak to his people through the preaching of his word. Indeed, it pleases God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And my friend, the preaching of the cross is only foolishness to them that perish. But unto us, beloved, which are saved, it is the power of God. And so we preach the gospel, the gospel of Christ and him crucified, the gospel of God's righteousness and his redemption, through which the Lord speaks to the hearts of his people. Our Heavenly Father made his blameless, sinless, holy Son to be made sin for his people. And as the Lord suffered for the sins of his people, in justice, the Father turned his back upon his beloved Son, withdrawing his loving presence, his comforting presence, his strengthening presence. And at that time, beloved, our substitute cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I thirst, he cried, but the Father would not hear him until all that sin that had been laid upon him was put away by the sacrifice of himself. You see, the Father wouldn't hear him until the sins of his people, all the sins of his beloved people, were laid upon him and put away. Do you know why the Father did that to his son? Because God cannot even look upon sin. He must punish sin, and he did so even when it was found on his beloved son. And so since our Heavenly Father has already been satisfied through the doing and dying of our substitute, he won't be silent to his people. You see, our Heavenly Father was already silent to our substitute when he cried out, and we see this in Psalm 22, beginning in verse 1. Our blessed Redeemer cried out as our substitute, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. Beloved, God is not going to be silent to his people. He's not going to pour out his anger upon his people because he's already poured out his anger against our sin upon the holy substitute, our Lord Jesus Christ. So why why was he forsaken? Because in verse 3, Thou, Lord Jesus, art holy. I'm sinful, Jacob. God declares in his word, Fury is not in me. The iniquity of Jacob has been purged. His sin has been taken away. Beloved, 
Though we be evil and unholy, our substitute is holy, and he satisfied justice on our behalf. So now, beloved, there's no more wrath reserved up for us before God, because it's been poured out upon his beloved Son. We read in John chapter 3, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Beloved, no wrath abides upon you, because all of God's wrath was poured out upon his Son, and so that every one that believeth on him hath everlasting life. You see, the Father was silent to his Son, so that in justice he can hear the cries of his people. And he does, beloved. Indeed, the Father always hears the cries of his people. Now, it may seem like the Lord doesn't hear you, beloved, when you cry. How often is it that the heavens seem like brass, and no matter how we pray, it seems like we're not heard of the Lord. Beloved, know this. God always hears the cry of his child. And why is that? Because, beloved, we have an advocate, Christ Jesus the righteous. Now, the Lord may not answer for a time, but he hears, he knows. And so why would the Lord wait before he answers the cry of one of his hurting children? Experience has taught me that he does that so that we'll be shown, guided, directed to depend on him more completely, more fully, more surely. Indeed, he waits to answer so that we will honor him by calling more loudly. He waits to answer so that we will honor him by knocking more earnestly. And he does that so that when he answers, we will be all the more blessed in learning perhaps for the first time, or perhaps once again, to depend wholly, fully, and completely on him alone. And so in all your pain, in all your sorrows, in all your difficulties, beloved, let me encourage you with this exhortation. Never, never, never quit calling upon the Lord. Beloved, keep calling upon the Lord. Casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Our Lord teaches us to keep calling, to keep begging, even when he doesn't answer at first. Our Lord gave us the parable about the widow and the unjust judge to teach us that men ought to always to pray and not to faint, to never quit calling unto him. Turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 18. Verse 1, our Lord Jesus spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, 
which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? The unjudged judge answered the woman by her continual coming. Beloved, continual coming, continual crying, continual praying, and our Lord shall answer his own elect. That's the lesson of this parable. If you're in great need, just like this widow, you don't need someone to tell you how to call upon the Lord or what to do or how to plead and beg. You see, my friend, if you're in great need, you'll know how to call. So keep on calling upon the Lord and he'll answer in due time. Remember that poor woman with her daughter, grievously vexed of the devil? She came crying to the Lord for mercy. She came to the right person with the right cry, with the right attitude, an empty heart with empty hands. Did the Lord hear her? He did, but he didn't answer her at first, did he? Even so, she kept begging, she kept calling, and eventually, in his time, when faith in Christ and dependence upon Christ had been revealed, then the Lord had mercy upon her and answered her. Now, though he waited, he heard her the whole time. You see, it was never his purpose to let that woman, that mercy beggar, go away empty. Rather, he was always going to fill her, but dependence upon the Lord and faith in Christ was going to be revealed first. Beloved, believing sinner, the Lord will always answer your cry. And so we see David crying out to the Lord, Lord, hear me. Lord, speak to me. And then he prays for the Lord to support him. He says, Lord, you're my rock. Beloved, the Lord is our rock. My friend, you can cry to our rock and you'll be helped. For our rock is not like their rock. Our God is not like their stone idol. You see, their idol, their statue has ears but does not hear, has feet but cannot walk, has hands but can't do anything to help you. Beloved, our rock is not like their rock. For our rock is able to help and he's willing and able to help his people. Indeed, he loves to help his people. Our rock was smitten so that we would have the water of life. Our rock is the cleft where we can hide from God's wrath against our sin. Our rock gives us shade and comfort in a dry and barren land. Our rock is the altar where the sacrifice for sin is offered and where that sacrifice is accepted by our Heavenly Father. Our rock is our sure foundation Everything we have, everything we believe, is built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Our rock is the strength of our salvation. David, in effect, is saying, Lord, build me up upon the foundation of Christ, the solid rock. Put me in Christ. Put me on him, and I'll be sustained. Christ, beloved, is not our crutch. No, no. He's our rock. He's our foundation. The second thing we see of this cry that's heard of the Lord is this. It's a cry for justice. Verse 3, Psalm 28. Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds, 
and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them after the work of their hands. Render to them their wages, because they regarded not the work of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands. He shall destroy them and not build them up. Here David prays, Give the wicked according to their deeds. Now this is not teaching us that we ought to pray and ask the Lord to exercise vengeance upon the people who are mean to us or to exercise vengeance upon our enemies and those that have mistreated us. No, my friend, that's not what's being taught here. You see, our Lord teaches us to pray for our enemies. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So this is not teaching us that we should pray and ask the Lord to take vengeance upon those people who have mistreated us. Rather, this is teaching that we should pray that in all things Christ be magnified. Beloved, in all things let him be magnified in the salvation of his people. Remarkable, isn't it? He saved an enemy like you, and he saved an enemy like me. You see, our Lord is glorified in this. Our Heavenly Father commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies of his anointed King, Christ, his beloved Son, died for us. And further, at the last day, our Lord will be glorified not only in the just redemption of his people, but further, he will be glorified in the just damnation of those who refuse to bow to him and refuse to believe on him. My friend, if you're trusting in your own works, you'll gain eternal damnation. But if by God's grace you're trusting in his finished saving work, he gained eternal life for you through the merits of his beloved son. In this psalm, and indeed in every psalm, the testimony of our Lord may be heard. These, the scriptures, are they which testify of me. And though the lesser David is writing this psalm, we hear the greater David, the Lord Jesus Christ, speaking, indeed praying to his Father to deal justly with everyone, to deal justly with his people, and to deal justly with those who are not. The Lord Jesus Christ prays for justice for his people because he satisfied justice for them. He's made his people righteous by giving them his obedience unto the Lord. He's cleansed them from all of their sins by the blood of his sin atoning sacrifice. He's made his people perfect, and so he ever liveth to intercede on their behalf, asking his Father, Give my people justice. Give them what I've earned for them. Give them eternal life. For my shed blood and my sinless body demand that the people you gave me be saved. They shall not be condemned with the wicked, because I've made them holy. I've made them spotless and unblameable in thy sight. I've given them a new and perfect heart, where there's no sin, there's no mischief, there's no guile. Give them justice. Give them eternal life for my sake. And not only do we see our Lord asking for justice for his people, but further he also prays for justice for those who remain his enemies. Who are those who remain his enemies? They are those that refuse to believe on him, 
Now notice, he doesn't pray that the wicked be damned because God didn't elect them. He doesn't pray that, does he? Rather, he prays that the wicked be given exactly what they deserve. My friend, God will never damn anybody because he didn't choose to save them. Rather, when God damns someone, he's giving them exactly what they've earned. David says in verse 4, Give them according to their deeds. Give them according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them after the work of their hands. Render to them their wages. You see, the reprobate, those that will ever remain his enemies, they'll be damned because of what they're doing, not because of anything God did. All God will do is give them just what they've earned, just like an employer does every paycheck, because that's what you've earned. And that's what David is asking. Lord, give them just exactly what they've earned by their wicked deeds, by the works of their hands. And then they'll be damned because of who they are, not because of who God is. Rather, they'll be damned because of who they are. David says, give them according to the wickedness of their endeavors, according to the wickedness of their doings. God will damn people because of who they are, because they're unholy, because their notions, their desires, their deeds, their motives, everything about them is unholy and evil. And God will give them just what their sin deserves. And then they'll be damned because they refuse to believe on Christ. They regard not the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands. But you do, beloved. The believer sees that he's built upon Christ, the solid rock. But the unbeliever does not believe Christ. He does not regard the work of Christ. He doesn't want Christ. He doesn't regard the works of the Lord's hands. And worse yet, the unbeliever doesn't regard the obedience of Christ as anything special. He doesn't think that it's something that he needs because he thinks his best is good enough, being ignorant of the righteousness of God, which is in Christ. So instead of building them upon Christ, the Lord is going to destroy them by crushing them, by breaking them upon Christ because they rejected him, who is the only foundation of salvation. And so this is God's justice for the unbeliever. My friend, if you perish, it's going to be entirely your own fault. You'll have nobody to blame but yourself. Though the reprobate will try to blame everyone but himself on that day, but be sure you know this, no man, woman, or child can blame God or anyone else if they perish. No, no. If you perish, you will be to blame. My friend, all of us are without excuse. For God has revealed himself in creation. He's revealed himself in his sovereign providence. He's even put it in our own conscience that he exists, and he's given us his word. But the problem is, you won't walk in the light of that word that God has given you to seek him. So whatever God does with you, whatever God does with me, I promise you, whether you be a sinner or a self-righteous pretender, God is going to deal with you justly. And be sure you know this, whatever he does with you, 
whatever he does with me, it will be right. So are you a sinner? Are you a mercy beggar? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Are you self-saved? Or are you trusting the Savior to save you? I'm not asking you to concern yourself with your mom or dad. I'm not asking you to concern yourself with your husband or wife or your children. I'm asking you, have you heard the gospel of your salvation? You see, my friend, if I don't bow, if you don't bow, if you and I don't come to Christ begging for mercy and God damns us to hell, he'll be right in doing so. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Absolutely. My friend, if we perish, that would be entirely through our own doing. If we're saved, that's all because of God's doing, of his grace and mercy in Christ, because in him our Heavenly Father found a ransom to deliver the souls of his people from going down to the pit of hell. Beloved, believing sinner, by God's undeserved grace, we have God's ransom to deliver us from the pit. Christ Jesus the Lord, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God so loved the world, not just the Jews, but an elect people from every nation, having provided a ransom for his elect in his beloved Son. And so, my friend, if I'm saved, if you're saved, it will all be because of his mercy, his grace, his power, his love given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And that brings me to the third thing about this cry that's heard of the Lord. It's a cry of praise. While David was crying unto the Lord, crying out of his great need, something happened, something changed. We see this as we read through the psalm how that David's heart went from being swallowed up in pain, sorrow, and worry, and then suddenly his heart is overflowing with praise. You see, the Lord not only heard David's cry, but further, the Lord answered him by speaking to his heart. And so when the Lord spoke to David's heart, he began to praise him. Verse 6, Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. Beloved, that should cause us to praise the Lord. The Lord should be praised because in order to hear you and me, when we cried, the cry of a mercy beggar, the cry of a mercy maggot, consider it, beloved, and marvel at just how low our Lord condescended to hear such a wretched worm like you and such a wretched worm like me. Praise the Lord. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and those he has saved, they'll cry out for their great need. They'll cry out for justice. They'll cry out, praise the Lord. My friend, the Lord is merciful to sinners. Doesn't that encourage you all the more to keep crying out to him in confidence? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You see, he has plenteous mercy for sinners. And we see David not only blessing the Lord for having been heard, but further because the Lord is his strength. Verse 7, 
The Lord is my strength and my shield. Beloved, Christ is our strength. He showed David the rock of our salvation, and that gave him such confidence to cry out, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. I trusted in the Lord, and I wasn't disappointed. I trusted in the Lord, and he helped me. He comforted me. He strengthened me. You see, faith in Christ gives us confidence to keep crying out unto him because of who he is. Beloved, no matter how much worry, sorrow, pain, and need you have, unload all of it upon the Lord, for he's an able Savior and can bear it all. Indeed, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. And that's the experience of David and every believer with him. We ask for strength, and the Lord gives us his strength. We ask him for protection, and the Lord is our shield. Beloved, Christ is our shield. Christ is our strength. He's our shield from every danger. And so this gives us confidence to keep calling upon him because we so desperately need him. And so David praises the Lord because the Lord stooped way down to help him. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth and with my song will I praise him. The Lord heard the cry of this poor, helpless Mercy beggar. And then the Lord helped him, and that magnifies the grace of God. You know, there's an expression amongst the lost. Perhaps you've heard it. And I suggest you not bring it to your own lips. It dishonors the Lord a great deal. It goes like this The Lord helps those who help themselves. Anyone who continues to say that doesn't know my Lord. You see, my friend, the Lord only helps those who cannot help themselves because the Lord is gracious and plenteous in mercy for helpless sinners like you in the pew and like this helpless sinner behind the pulpit. And so, my friend, if you're a helpless sinner, if you see your need, may God grant you, like David, a heart that greatly rejoices in Christ, singing together with God's people songs of praise unto him who saves sinners to the uttermost. Verse 8. The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. David cried, Lord, hear my cry. And the Lord showed him the mercy seat, Christ Jesus the Lord, the strength of our salvation. Beloved, our salvation in Christ is so sure, it gives us a good hope through grace. It gives us a good hope because of who he is. For our salvation isn't conditioned upon or dependent upon something that we do to get it. Or worse yet, that we've got to do to keep it. Nobody can ever savingly rest in that. Because if my salvation had anything to do with my resting in what I do, and not on him who loved me and gave himself for me, well, then I'd have no peace. The word of God doesn't say perfect peace whose mind is stayed on himself. 
but rather God's word describes the perfect peace of those whose mind is stayed on Christ because you trusteth in him. And so, beloved, we have a good hope, a sure hope, for if Christ is the strength of our salvation, if he has been made to be all your salvation, then, my friend, you can never be lost. Our Lord declares, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. You see, it's because of who he is, his character, his perfection, the perfection of his righteousness, the perfection of his blood shed as the sacrifice for his people. Beloved, who he is is what gives us strength of salvation. That's what makes it so that we can never be lost. Thanks being to our never-failing, sovereign, successful Savior. Now, we've seen thus far three things regarding this cry that's heard of the Lord. First, it's a desperate cry. Second, it's a cry for justice. Thirdly, it's a cry that praises the Lord. And then fourthly, regarding this cry that's heard of the Lord, it's a cry not just for one's own self, but further, it's a cry for others. Verse 9. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. My friend, no one who really knows the Lord could ever just pray for themselves. Samuel said, As for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Beloved, a cry that's going to be heard of the Lord has got to include a crying out for others. David started out crying, Lord, hear me, answer me, Lord, help me. But now he's praying for others. The Lord helped him. The Lord had mercy upon him. And so he prays, Lord, save your people. Now, he's not praying save everybody in the world. He's not praying with the idea that, you know, Christ died for everybody. Rather, he's praying, Lord, save your people. Save the people you chose to save in the covenant of grace. Save the people that Christ died for. Save those people that are your inheritance. So, beloved, do you know who they are? I believe many of you who are gathered here this morning are among them. And perhaps in time, we'll learn of a few more in our midst. And so we pray for our loved ones. We pray for our children. We pray for our co-workers and neighbors. Lord, thy will be done. Save your people from among them. Have mercy on whom you'll have mercy because you love your people, because you wash them in your blood, the precious blood of your Son. Give them faith in Christ. Lord, save them so you get the glory. And so David prays, Lord, save your people. And most certainly, that cry is going to be heard. You can't pray a more sure prayer than that. Lord, save your people. Lord, save all of your people. Save all of your people in this building. Save all of your people in this community. Save all of your people in this city. Save all of your people in the world. Save all of your people throughout all time. <laughs> you have the Lord's promise. 
that he shall. He said, This is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. David further prays, Bless thine inheritance, feed them also. Feed them also. In effect, David is praying, Lord, be the shepherd of your people. Take care of your sheep. And so just like a shepherd takes care of his sheep as he brings them to green pastures so that they may feed, Lord, be the shepherd that feeds your people with your word. Bless your servant as he stands to preach so that your people are fed, so that they're taught, so that they're edified, so that their hearts are comforted and knitted together in love. Lord, carry your people like that shepherd that comes and finds the weak and injured lamb. He doesn't break the lamb for being weak. He doesn't break the lamb for being injured. Rather, he picks it up and he carries the lamb. Lord, carry your people. We're too weak to take a step by ourselves. Lord, protect your people like the shepherd protects his sheep from the wolves. Protect us from the wolves. We're defenseless. Lord, you be the shepherd and protect us. Lord, bring your people home. Don't leave us to ourselves, but rather be like that shepherd who left the 99 in the wilderness and went looking for that one lost sheep and searched till he found it. And when he found it, he doesn't accost the sheep saying, you dumb sheep, what are you doing out here? Look where I found you. Look what I had to do to come and find you. Our shepherd doesn't speak to his sheep like that. Rather, beloved, our shepherd, when he found that one sheep that was lost, he picked it up and held it in his bosom and took it back to the fold. And there's one shepherd and there's one fold. And the shepherd says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Lord, be the shepherd of your people. And lastly, David prays, Lord, lift them up forever. Lord, lift up your people from death to life. Find those that are weak, those that are feeble. Find those with needs, whose hands are hanging down. Lord, lift up your people up out of the dunghill and set them among princes. Lift up the hearts of your people, the heart that's broken, the heart that's trodden down with grief and pain. Lord, lift them up by comforting them with your presence. Lift them up by comforting them with the gospel of your beloved Son. Lift up their hearts out of the darkness of baseless worry and fear. Lift up their hearts to praise you. Lord, lift up your people from sorrow to joy, from mourning to rejoicing. Lift them up. Lift up your people from this world for your eternal glory. Beloved, if we cry like that, the Lord's going to hear our prayer and he'll grant it every time. That's the cry that's heard of the Lord. My friend, cry out unto the Lord with your need, your need of justice. Beloved, praise his holy name. Our Heavenly Father can now be both the just and the justifier of those who believe on his beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And join us in praying, Lord, save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. <laughs>